Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Today, author Sayantani Dasgupta joins us in the studio. Sayantani is here to talk with us about The Serpent's Secret, her new book for middle graders. The story centers around a young princess who takes a magical journey to a land inspired by Indian mythology. As Sayantani says, there's mystery in these pages and more than a little danger. Sayantani has always believed in the power of story to teach and heal us. Originally a pediatrician, she now teaches narrative medicine at Columbia University. Sayantani is joined in the studio by her daughter, 13-year-old Shunaya, who is a Scholastic News Kid reporter, will help me with the questions. Sayantani and Shunaya, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here, and it's always a delight to be with one of our kid reporters. A family affair today. (laughs) Yes. Well, for starters, I'm going to turn things over to you, Shania. You've prepared a few questions for your mom. Let it roll. All right. So, um, what inspired you to write The Serpent's Secret? Well, interesting you should ask me that, Shunaya, because in fact, um, you guys inspired me to write The Serpent's Secret. Um, When I was your age and very into reading, just like you all are, um, you and your brother, um, I didn't have a lot of books with protagonists who looked like me. And that was all right. I mean, I loved Joe March in Little Women, and I loved Meg Murray in A Wrinkle in Time. Um, But there was always that extra piece missing where there wasn't an immigrant daughter like me who I could read about, who was being brave and heroic. There wasn't kind of a brown skin girl like me who was out there saving the world. And so by the time you and your elder brother started becoming big readers, I figured things were better. And I was kind of sad to learn that they were for They were to some extent, but not as much in the kinds of books you guys like to read, like fantasy. So it inspired me to go back to the stories I loved as a little girl that I heard from my grandma and write a story where you guys could see an immigrant daughter being brave and heroic and saving the world. And who is your favorite character and why? Ah, who is my favorite character, The Serpent's Secret and Why? Even though I would say... And this might be controversial. I apologize to my other characters. Even though there's lots of really good characters in the book and the Serpent King is definitely like the biggest baddie, scary guy. Yes, would you agree? Yes. Um, You know, Rakkosh, who are called Rakshasa in other parts of South Asia, um, they're kind of the villain we all love to hate or certainly I love to hate. I mean, they drool, they eat people, they use their bones as toothpicks, they also rhyme when they talk. I don't know why, but it's awesome. Like what, right? I mean, what more can you ask for in a villain? So um, so I really must say, and again, apologies to my other characters. I love the demon queen who, you know, is both glamorous and very, very evil. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. Do but, you? I, but I like Kiramala better. Well, understandably. She is yeah. wearing boots that are modeled off of boots that, you know, you used to wear all the time. Yeah. <laughs> 
So how do you think being a mom helped you find Kiramala's voice? Oh, that's a good question. I had forgotten that you were going to ask me that. Um, I mean, I think I'm going to be honest, and you can tell me whether or not you think I'm being honest. Um, Kiran Mala's 12-year-old voice isn't that far away from my own voice. So it could be that I'm kind of a 12-year-old at heart. I don't know. Um, but certainly being around you and your brother and being around college students and being around pediatrics patients when I was a practicing pediatrician, um, being around young people has um, kind of kept not just my voice, you know, accessible in those ways, but I think it's kept me on my toes in terms of um, keeping my mind open and being imaginative. Um, I think that people your age in particular are really imaginative and they push boundaries and they um, kind of aren't hemmed in in terms of their creativity and imagination. And so being around you and your brother and my students and my patients reminds me to kind of be brave and young and imaginative. Yeah. Um, how, do you, uh, how does being a be pediatrician, writer, and professor intertwine? Ah. Um, so I just, you know, in terms of keeping me um, imaginative, keeping me brave, keeping, you know, me in touch with, uh, you know, things that folks are talking about these days. But also, in a sense, it's all about stories, right? Um, I think being a pediatrician is about making sure that young people get a chance to express themselves and get listened to. Um, the field that I'm a professor in, it's called narrative medicine, as you know. Um, so that's about stories and healing. It's, a, it's about when you're sick, making sure that you can express yourself and have people listen to you. And being a writer is the same thing. It's about um, kind of thinking about, you know, whose stories count, whose voices count, who gets listened to, who's at the center of the story. Um, so in a sense, even though it seems like it might be three different careers, kind of being a pediatrician, being a professor, being a writer, being a mom, a fourth career. Um, to me, it's all kind of about deeply listening and honoring people's stories. So in that way, it's all connected. Yeah. So what books did you like to read when you were my age, like fantasy or realistic fiction? I would say that, like your brother, I was more of a fantasy head. I definitely um, gravitated towards fantasy. And um, as you probably know, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite authors was Madeline Langle. Um, my, I would say competing for my two favorite books were A Ring of Endless Light, which is a book in which the protagonist, Vicky, gets to talk to dolphins. I mean, who does not want to talk to dolphins, right? What 12-year-old doesn't want to talk to dolphins? And then, I know you know this, my other favorite book was A Wrinkle in Time. And that's why, um, you know, I loved space. I grew up on Star Wars and Star Trek and, uh, you know, fantasy books like The Hobbit. And then I watched Carl Sagan's Cosmos. And I loved A Wrinkle in Time. I loved this book that brought that element of space and the fantastical into a story. And that's part of the reason why The Serpent's Secret, I've snuck in. Yeah, they're folktales, but there's also string theory. Um, and who doesn't, like, want to have both of those things up against each other? So, yeah. So, in part, that's uh, a tribute to the wonderful Madeline Lang and the amazing novel, A Wrinkle in Time, which is now a new movie. Yeah, that's about it. Thank you so much for the interview. You're very welcome. Thank you for interviewing me. <laughs> Thank you both. All right, I'm going to step in here. I have a question. Kieran Mala is 
a heroic princess, an Indian princess, but as you alluded to, she wears bright purple boots. She founded a thrift shop. She's an ordinary girl in New Jersey. How does she weave the ordinary and the extraordinary? Oh, that's a great question, Suzanne. Um, Yeah, I think that all of us certainly um, are able to do that, right? We're able to, I think being heroic isn't just about being extraordinary all the time. It's about... um, I think all of our great stories kind of teach us this. It's about being ordinary, being afraid, but still going forward and doing extraordinary things. And um, that's the sort of heroine that Kiran Mala certainly is. Um, in addition, I think as an immigrant, um, as an immigrant daughter, um, she's somebody who kind of straddles multiple worlds. And that's what immigrants do, right? In a sense, um, this book is as much a tribute to immigrant families like mine as anything else, because I really feel like immigrants are superheroes. Like they can straddle the ordinary and the extraordinary and multiple worlds and multiple languages and multiple ways of being. And so I kind of wanted to capture and honor all of that in the story. So tell us a little bit about your own childhood. You grew up in the Midwest, but you also spent your summers in Kolkata with your grandparents and your extended family. What was it like going back and forth between those two worlds? It was almost like being an intergalactic explorer. I mean, I'll tell you the truth. It was. Um, You know, my parents immigrated to this country. Um, I grew up mostly in Ohio, but then I went to high school in New Jersey, which is in the town next to Parsippany, which is why Kieran Mala lives in Parsippany. Um, But I would, Suzanne, you're right. I would spend these long summer vacations with my grandparents in India. And um, back then... um, My grandparents didn't have television, didn't have phones, or they might have just been getting phones, and there certainly wasn't an internet. I know it's hard to believe, dear listeners, but there was not an internet back then. Um, And it, you know, coming out of that plane into the heat, into the new tastes and sounds and new faces that looked like mine, into this extended family that was so warm and kind of took me in and were hungry to kind of take me in because they didn't get me most of the time. it was like traveling to a new dimension. And that's a little bit why I snuck that into the book. Um, because I would go to a real place. I would travel to Kolkata, India. I would travel to an actual place. Kiran Mala travels to um, a land of stories that I discovered when I would go on those long summer vacations. So my grandma would read me um, or tell me these fantastical folk tales about flesh-eating demons and serpent kings and brave princesses and joking birds. And most of those folktales happened in this place called the Kingdom Beyond Seven Oceans and Thirteen Rivers. And so I figured, hey, it makes sense to have my heroine go to that same place. Oh, that's neat. Did you see yourself perhaps more in those folktales your grandmother told you than in the books you were reading in the U.S. growing up? That's interesting. I think... um, I think I saw myself in both. Um, I think the piece that was missing in those stories I loved, I mean, I still love A Wrinkle in Time and Little Women and, and, you know, Betsy, Tacey and Tip and all these wonderful stories. Um, The the piece that was missing I found in those folktales. And so that that kind of connection um, was, uh, was really important because I got to kind of see myself as a whole person not just as um, one or the other. I got to kind of accept all the different parts of myself. Okay, talk a little bit about that other dimension, the the astronomy and outer space and your love of Star Trek. That's very clearly woven in here too. Indeed. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a time right when Star Wars was coming out and Star Trek and Carl Sagan's Cosmos. And the thing I realized is that it wasn't that much of a stretch because, um, I, I, I mean, I think that folktales are about many things, but our ancestors looked up at the sky and they wondered why the moon, you know, changed in shape. And they wondered, you know, what the sun was doing. And so they came up with these fantastic stories to give us explanations um, to those things. And so I think that that connection between folktales and science or kind of um, cultural stories and astronomy, it seems like they're two disparate things, stories and science, but I don't think they are. I think both stories, folk stories and science, try to explain and give meaning to the world. And uh, that, that was why I kind of wedded them in the story. Okay, well, that leads into my next question. As you told Shunaya, you are a pediatrician by training. You teach narrative medicine. When did you know you wanted to be a writer? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I think I always knew I wanted to be a writer. I just didn't recognize um, that it was something that wedded. You know, I was talking to Shunaya about stories as being the thread between pediatrics, narrative medicine, and um, and this, you know, um, new middle grade uh, series, Kieran Mullen, The Kingdom Beyond. And I think that back in the day, I thought that writing was something I did separately and medicine was something I did separately. And then I realized, no, it is all about stories. And um, and so I've written, you know, academic things and I've written essays and I've written creative pieces. But I'm so kind of honored to be here at Scholastic with my first um my, you know, my first novel for children and also my first, um, my first fiction piece because, you know, I've mostly been a writer for grownups and I've mostly been a writer of non, nonfiction. And to find your voice and then to find a bunch of people who support you in celebrating your voice and getting your voice out there, that's a dream come true. I mean, there isn't, there is not anything better than that. <laughs> I know the book comes out at the end of February, yet already I can tell you there is so much excitement here at Scholastic about this book. Now, your two children are here. They're adolescents, right? <laughs> what dreams and hopes do you have for them that maybe you couldn't imagine having for yourself when you were their age? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, everything. I dream everything for you guys, whatever... Um, Whatever you guys want to do, I really feel like you can. And um, I think that's what the stories I read as a little girl taught me. I think that when you see yourself in stories, you believe that even more. Um, and so that's what I would love for all of you to kind of believe and know in your hearts and for all the readers of The Serpent's Secret to kind of believe and know in your hearts. Like, we can all be heroic. We need all of us to be heroic, right? To make a better future for all of us, to save the world, I mean, literally and figuratively. Um, and so I have, you know, the stars are the limit. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, it doesn't sound like much has held you back. <laughs> um, we'd love now for you to read an excerpt of the book for our listeners and set the scene for them. Oh, fantastic. So maybe what I will do is just read... Um, the first page, so listeners kind of have a sense of the book. And then I'm going to skip forward to a kind of action sequence where everything begins. Um, so I just want to read um, my acknowledgments or, or, you know, the, who the book is dedicated to. I'll read my dedication. Um, to immigrant parents and children everywhere who imagine an idea called home into being through the telling of stories. And to my own immigrant parents, who told me stories, believed in my stories, and keep helping me imagine my way home. So chapter one, 
A Monster Visits Suburbia. The day my parents got swallowed by a rock kush and whisked away to another galactic dimension was a pretty craptastic day. The fact that it was actually my 12th birthday made it all that much worse. Instead of cake or presents or a party, I spent the day kicking demon butt, traveling through time and space looking for my family, and basically saving New Jersey, our entire world, and everything beyond it. Not that I didn't have any help, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll tell you that part soon. First, let me back up a little. And so, you know, Kieran Mala is born on Halloween. I am born the day before Halloween. And um, she goes off to school and she comes home expecting to find her parents celebrating her birthday and expecting to see trick-or-treaters. But her house is a mess. Somebody's maybe broken in. She doesn't know. Um, you know, she's seen a lot of made-for-TV movies in her time. And, and she knows she's got to be cautious. So she go- goes around her house. She doesn't see anyone. But she does see that her mother has left some homemade very impractical, drippy, Bengali sweets for the neighborhood trick-or-treaters. And she figures, okay, everything can't be all bad if my mom's left these typical sweets for everyone, things that are not meant to carry, you know, be carried around in cloth grocery bags. But then she also finds a weird note in which her parents say, you know, we were hoping for the last dozen years that it would not come to pass, but the magical spell protecting us all has been broken on this, your 12th birthday. And they, you know, tell her, don't try to find it. It's far too dangerous. Be sure to trust the princes, they say mysteriously. Oh, and make sure to take your gummy vitamins every morning. But then the note breaks off and she finds kind of this smudgy piece of paper, which they say is a map and some rupees in this envelope. So she is not sure what is going on until the doorbell rings and two handsome princes in silk outfits and sharp jeweled swords show up at her door. And she's thinking, these are some very interesting costumes. Um, And she's kind of talking to them and they're trying to convince her to leave the house. And she's saying, no, no, no. Um, And then suddenly one of the boys says, are you ready for that, my dear lady? Are you ready for that? It was then that I realized the brothers weren't the ones I had to worry about. Someone in a snarling monster costume had slammed through the half-open kitchen door. The creature was at least ten feet tall, with green-black, warty skin, enormous horns and fangs, and beady eyes that squinted as if it couldn't see very well in the light. It drooled a thick stream of thick saliva on Ma's clean floor. The costume was freakishly good. Too good. The hand, my hand went loose, and a bunch of sweets slid to the floor. Neil grabbed the falling tray before it crashed down. Neil is one of the brothers. Lal is the other brother. Anyway, my heart hammered so loudly in my ears, Lal's next words came from miles away. It's a rock kush, my lady. Come for tricks, I fear, not treats. A rock kush? A rock kush? Not somebody in a costume, but a real demon? Straight out of one of my father's folktales? Right here in my kitchen in Persephone, New Jersey? I tried to scream, but the room had gone all wickety-wockety, like one of those paintings of melting clocks. My bones were molasses. The monster crashed blindly around the kitchen, ripping off the refrigerator door with its razor-sharp nails, crushing the cabinets with its huge feet. It was kind of hunched over, but its horns gouged long holes in the ceiling, and plaster flaked down into its already beady eyes. My parents told me not to let a rock cush in the house. I heard myself squeak. The demon was tossing back dinner plates like they were pieces of popcorn. It started chomping on the still plugged-in toaster, making sparks fly everywhere. Hate to break it to you, but it's too late now. 
Neil took out his sword too, but he looked less worried than his brother. He filled his pockets with the sweets I dropped on the floor. I barely had time to grab my birthday card with the money and map before the brothers shoved me out of the house. The last thing I saw before they slammed the front door behind them was the demon emptying my fruit-flavored gummy vitamins into its ginormous mouth. Finally, I shrieked, Oh, man, my mom is going to kill me. <laughs> Amazing, Slantani. <laughs> that kicks demon butt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what is next for you and for Kieran Mala? Well, Kieran Mala is going to go on another adventure after this one, book two, which I can't tell you any spoilers about. But suffice it to say that she will be encounter many challenges in the kingdom beyond, much evil, um, which she will, she and her friends will have to summon up their courage from the deepest parts of themselves and tackle head on as she is wont to do. <laughs> Somehow I know she's up to the task. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> now, Shunaya, I want to ask you, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I'd love, while you're here, tell us, do you have any thoughts about what you'd like to do when you grow up? Um, I'm not very sure yet, but in my mother's path, I might want to become a doctor, but I also love to write all, as well. So I don't know, maybe a mix of both. Just like my mom. <laughs> Who are some of your favorite authors? Um, I also love Madeline Langle, um, Meg Cabot of The Princess Diaries, my mother's book, obviously. <laughs> What's it like living with a real live writer? It's pretty cool. She always tells me the ideas and like the new book she's writing. And it's, I get to make up new ideas for her. And she's like, oh, that's a good one. And she writes it down. And it's been really cool going on this adventure. It's very new and it's fun. I try out all the jokes on you guys. Yeah, yeah. She's like, is that a good joke? And I was like, no. <laughs> you sound a little bit like Karen Mala. <laughs> You've got her attitude. <laughs> well, this has been such a joy talking with both of you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Suzanne. And thank you, Shania. Thank you. Thanks again to Sayantani and Shunaya for joining us. And thank you for listening. To learn more about The Serpent's Secret, check the show notes or go to scholasticreads.com. Don't miss an episode of Scholastic Reads. Find us and subscribe in your favorite podcast app, and each episode will automatically be delivered to your phone. Special thanks to producer Emily Morrow, sound engineers Daniel Jordan and Chris Johnson, and music composer Lucas Elliott Ebrell. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.